become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air Yeah, yeah there's screams from everywhere Yeah I'm addicted to the thrill I'm ready It's a dangerous Stop. love affair Come on. Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Stop. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who goes this town tonight Welcome to the Kwame Lasher Sports Talk It is another Tuesday morning in Phoenix, Arizona Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liskett in studio. Kwame is out for today, but he may be calling in a little later. We're not sure yet. Got a lot to talk about today. A lot of football. Week two, we'll touch on uh, the referees. Uh, you know, hold your teeth back for a moment until we talk about it, Deborah and Cindy. Um, we'll talk about uh, Greg Schiano and if he was correct in trying to force a fumble on the last play of the game against the Giants. That was a huge story this weekend. Uh, first off... Weekends really quickly. Deborah, you first because you're closer to me. I had one. Okay. Um, and <laughs> actually, driving in today was uh, probably the highlight of my weekend, even though it was a Tuesday. But uh, dealing with the idiots on the road, and they, they don't quite understand the fact that I drive like a really big vehicle, and I you know dove with great white sharks and drove 600 horsepower race car, and I really don't care if they're idiots because I'm going to take my space wherever I can find it. So. <laughs> Was it was an interesting drive that. on the way in. Well said. Uh-huh. Cindy? Man, I'm going to draft her on the way in. <laughs> uh, I went to see the D-backs win on uh, Sunday. It was pretty fun. Um, saw the end of the Cardinals win and then saw the D-backs, saw the pitcher hit a three-run, three-RBI triple. It was a good day for Arizona sports. Yeah, too bad it's been a bad year for the Diamondbacks. Um, okay, I digress. Uh, the Cardinals' 2018 winners over the Patriots' At Gillette Stadium, the first loss, the first home opening loss for the Patriots in that stadium. This was probably the shock of the weekend. Kevin Cobb, uh, you know, his numbers weren't gaudy. Uh, he didn't do anything extremely well, but he didn't make many mistakes. He fumbled. He, he had a lost fumble, but you know, he he looked okay. Well, and he played okay, with, played with some poise. Yeah, and okay as a, in, as a yeah. uh, as a Cardinals quarterback isn't. A horrible thing at this point. Well, and preparation for an out-of-town game is always a little bit different, too, because you're preparing for the noise. So as a quarterback, you're looking. You can't always call your signals. You've got to have signals underneath the signals of what your center is going to be doing in order to let you know, everybody else in the line know what's really coming on. So it's uh, he did well. Absolutely. He did really well. And what's fun about that, though, is the Cardinals do practice. Under yeah. noise at the practice facility, they turn the music up, they like rock the music. You can't work in the offices during these times, but they do. They do special practices to prepare right, for yeah. the noise, and it's really cool to see how it can be done, which I never thought was ever possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, true. I mean, that definitely does help uh, to prepare for game day. Uh, the unsung hero, I would say, is the offensive line in this case. He was only hit four times, uh, sacked once. You know, it. 
that's something that's been lacking over the past several years uh, for the Cardinals organization. And if they can hold true, if they can, you know, kind of rise up and beca- become a cohesive unit, who, who's to say that Arizona can't make a run? You know, I mean, there's always that team that's not supposed to be in the playoffs that ends up making a run. That, you know, I, I'm not getting ahead. They're 2-0. and we got a long season to go. Uh, Todd Heap had a good day, five catches, 62 yards. If he can stay healthy... A quarterback's best friend, especially a quarterback that's still trying to learn the system, and Kevin Cobb still is even after a year because he was out for the majority of last year. If if Todd Heap can stay healthy, tight end is a quarterback's best friend. So five catches, 62 yards. He looked good. Run, uh, run by committee, had 105 yards rushing. You know, they looked okay. Now, Cindy and I were talking about this off air. Did Arizona win or did uh, the Patriots lose this game? Cindy said... Cindy said... It doesn't matter what Cindy said. Cindy said that I'm, I'm only kidding. It does so matter what Cindy... No, you know, I love the Cardinals. They're my team. Stand by them. But there was an offensive a holding penalty by the Patriots that brought back a touchdown, took points off the board, and a bad snap caused that really pretty much a chip shot to not even come close. So that really had nothing to do the Cardinals gave them the ball and gave them two pretty good opportunities to score, and it's not like they stopped them from scoring. They stopped themselves. Well, they, they did stop them from scoring because they didn't score. That's my theory. But they didn't have anything to do with it. The Cardinals led for all but four minutes of this game. Well, well the first score was with eight, with 840 left in the first quarter. So the, the Cardinals were trailing for four minutes of this game. So I would say that that overall... Allows. I understand. Yeah, the the hold, but that isn't the first time that's happened. That's that that's a dumb penalty. It ended up, you know, negating a touchdown. That's fair. All in all, they played fine and they came out with a win against one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL. Well, and I think they deserved it. I mean, they worked hard for this game yeah. and they made it happen. And then to go down to the very end, thinking after Ryan Williams' play, you know, the devastation and the disappointment at that point, and yet they played on. You know, yeah. so. No, absolutely. And coming from last year where they gave up, I think, four fourth-quarter leads, they gave up at least three ridiculous leads um, and ended up losing those games. And this one looked like that was the foreshadowing for this one. Thank God uh, Steven Goskowski missed the the, uh, the kick at the end. Yeah. You know, um, I want to move to ooh, the New York Giants. Eli Manning, 510 yards passing. Did throw three interceptions, but he brought his team back, as he does, over and over and over again, scoring 25 points in the fourth quarter, winning by a touchdown. Now, that, that's, that's all well and good, but I, I want to jump into, uh, Greg, uh, I want to jump into the coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For those of you who haven't seen, who didn't see the game, uh, the Giants were up 41-34 with about eight seconds left, under 10 seconds left. The Giants were in the we just won the game formation. So normally the defense will just you know kneel down and and, and not rush the quarterback because that's looked as, as faux pas or it's turned into that, which I think is ridiculous. The coach for Tampa Bay decided to put all of his defensive linemen up against the center and try and push the center over in an effort I would think to have the ball be fumbled so they could recover the ball maybe with a chance for a hail mary. Tom Coughlin, the coach of the Giants, was not happy with that. Eli Manning called it a cheap shot. What do you ladies think? Especially in this day and age where it's very about about player safety and yeah. Roger Goodell trying to lead this force, which I think is you know it, loosely defined in that regard. But yeah, what do you think? This one I'm real torn on because you've got to, you know, I, I can understand both sides of it. I could argue both sides of it. And 
when you've got the Bucks who, you know, I mean, their their coach is trying to make a name for himself, and he's trying to push hard and show his guys that he can push hard at the end and he can make things happen. You know, at the same time, like you say, it's kind of an unspoken rule, you know, that, uh, you know, here's the etiquette of the game. But it's football. You know, you go back to the fact it's frickin' football, and weird, wild, wonderful things happen in seconds in the game of football. So I'm I'm really torn on this. Like I say, I could argue both sides, but I don't know. It's Liska. I I'm on a last name basis now. Um, no, I think like he kept going back to well at Rutgers at Rutgers. I don't think they ever did it in college either. Isn't it an un, pretty much unwritten rule anywhere that that's kind of the they well, could also give you the upper. They could also give you the upper hand. It's kind of what you do, rules. but yeah. you know, and you also have to give him. He, he's trying to win a game, so okay. it, it's an unspoken rule. Maybe it's a respect thing, but is it really the right thing to do? Absolutely, you want to win the game. You are once. If they were down forty to three and he did this, fine, I would understand. Yeah, You're down a, one score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, snaps have been fumbled for less things, so why the hell not just try and go after it, try to recover the ball, and, and try to make a, you know an SB number one play of the year out of it. I think there is nothing wrong with this, especially as a new coach. You want Coaches want to be hated by rivals because that makes them put emotion into plays. That makes them want to beat that team more, which in turn causes, which yields more mistakes in many in many aspects. And Deborah, you probably agree with that. Yeah. So I think that this was absolutely correct. Rutgers has been a failing franchise ever since Ray Rice left. So his pedigree may not be the greatest, but I think this is the best thing you possibly could do as, as, as a new coach. And it gets the respect from your players as well. Well, and that was going to be my next question, is I'm curious about what the players thought about it. They're thinking, hell you know, yes. The Bucks, yeah, I mean, again, if you're in that mentality that you know, you're going to take it to the end and you're going to do whatever you can do to win the game, then this is what you do. And you know that you've got somebody who's basically given up on the other side and they're going to make it as easy as possible for you. Uh, it gives you an opportunity. Absolutely. And in that division... Who knows what's going to happen this year? You know, the Saints are 0-2. The Panthers look really good at 1-1. One one. Tampa Bay, with Vincent Jackson and, and with, uh, you know, Doug Martin, they have a good running game now. Their defense is kind of, has kind of uh, been reinvigorated. Who knows what could happen, especially in that division. So, I mean, I think this is a very, very good thing that the coach did, and I will stick by that. Is it one of those things that if it works for you, it's a good thing, and if it works against you, it's a... Well, it's like anything. It depends, no, on, which side of the it depends on which side of the coin you're on. Yeah, yeah, which on side the field, of the ball you're yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that this team, the Buc- the Bucks, still have nothing to lose. You know, because nobody expected them to win. Nobody expects anything from them except for... Josh Freeman, maybe, because he was... Looked at as one of the new new hot quarterbacks in the league. He had a down year last year, but o- overall, I really think that this was this was a huge thing, and this might just catapult them. You know, that you need emotion, especially as a young team, to win right. in this league because you yeah. can't do it on talent alone because they don't have the talent to win. You know, even with the addition of Vincent Jackson, they don't have the talent to win. So a coach that believes in their players to maybe come up with that fumble, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, I, it just with it's the the over overshadowing thing of this is. Is the the player safety, and that's I'm sure that's where Tom Coughlin again because they're on the other side. That's where Tom Coughlin you could lose a center for the year because of that play. Right. Right. So uh, now the one thing is at least you're not taking a run at a guy that you've got two guys running straight at each other. They're pretty much standing still, right. but right. it's still you know so it lessens the op- opportunity for a major injury, but it's still an opportunity for an injury. Sure. And I mean you know Eli Manning could have twisted an ankle going down because right. he f- fell on his bum, and I mean that. Uh, it, 
this whole thing stemmed from the other side, the whole thing stemmed from is that they gave up a 25-point lead in the fourth quarter. And Eli Manning did everybody in the Everybody in the stadium, everybody watching that game knew they were still going to have a chance. Uh, Victor Cruz and Akeem Nix had career days. You know, he threw, they, they both uh, caught over 180 yards passing each. I mean, that's right. absolutely ridiculous. So, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, we'll see what happens. We'll see if there are any ramifications caused by it. See if uh, any cheap shots will be taken on the Buccaneers uh, next week. Who knows? Who do they play next week? Don't put me on the spot. Um, I thought you knew everything. Cindy? I don't know. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we have a couple minutes till break, but I'd like to talk about the San Diego Chargers. This is another interesting team in an interesting division. They're 2-0. and There are only five 2-0 teams left. I believe five or six uh, with Atlanta last night. Um, five, uh, 2-0 teams in the NFL. They went 38-10 to over the Titans. Grant and the Titans have turned into uh, a college football team. Uh, their offensive line is lacking severely. Chris Johnson has become... It, uh, you know, he he's I'd be getting more rushing yards than him this year so far. Uh, Philip Rivers, 24-32, 284, and three touchdowns. He had a horrible year last year. He had a horrible, horrible... I don't understand how a professional athlete can have a bad year, especially in football. I mean, a bad week. Deborah, we've talked about this over yeah, and over and over again. you can't afford to. It's just not acceptable. Especially in football. Especially in any sport when you're a professional. Well, I mean, I think that the the window of well, maybe baseball too. Well, okay, the window so if you look at the opportunities, yeah, the number of games compared to the number of games in baseball or the number of tournaments you play in golf or or racing or whatever else, yeah, you can't afford to. Now you've got, and it depends on the number of plays in that too, what the stats are. But pretty much, I don't care who you are, what sport, you can't afford to let. You know, a bad play eats you up or a bad year eats you up from that point forward. It is just unacceptable. And if you don't know how to handle it, find somebody who can help you understand how to handle it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that Philip Rivers, it was surprising because he's always been a very headstrong man. He's always been a leader. He's always been a vocal leader. People don't like him. That's another guy that people don't like because he, he talks crap no matter what. He's winning and losing. But sometimes know. that's a cover-up for what's going on internally and stuff, too. God, I shouldn't have so. said that to you. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, and uh, Antonio Gates was out, so uh, Dante Rosario caught three touchdown passes, backup tight end. That was huge for the Chargers. This may be the Chargers' year. I don't know. I mean, again, it's it, it's only week two, and yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not being lofty. Ryan Williams comes back this week, I believe. They're playing the Falcons on Sunday. Two two and O teams. This will be a true test for both of them to see uh, what the rest of the year may entail. We got to take a break. Cormie Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back in about 96 seconds. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Kwame is out today. I'm Alex Clancy. We have Deborah Debris and Cindy Liska in the studio. We are still going over week two of the NFL. We just touched on the Chargers' big win over the Titans. Phillip Rivers looks like his old self. Uh, AFC West will be really interesting this year, especially with the new addition of Peyton Manning to the Broncos. Falcons last night, 27-21 winners over the Broncos. In essence, this was a little bit, uh, it wasn't as close as the, as the score would indicate. However, however, the Broncos had a chance to win at the end, Miss Broncos fan who doesn't believe in her team. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's what you get for asking me who the, who the Bucks are playing la- next week. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, Pete back. Manning threw two picks in his first four attempts, three in the first three possessions. And he not even done- close, like not even close. Yeah, uh, one was one was tipped. The other two were really bad. The other two were really bad. Uh, you know, and I think, I and I believe that I know that this is rust, in my opinion. His first game may have been an aberration if it wasn't anybody else. If it was anybody else but Peyton Manning, I think that is still in him. I think that the, the Falcons are just that strong of a defensive team. They're scrappy. They're they're, they're turnover oriented this year, and I truly believe that this was just. Rust, because the rest of the game he played very eloquently, except for the first three possessions that got them in the hole, and, and I believe the Falcons scored on all three turnovers uh, in one way or another. I do believe that Peyton Manning is still there, and I do believe that he will still lead this team to a winning record this year. Well, and this could be like a Tiger, Tiger Woods type thing that yeah, Peyton Manning's in there. Um, is he going to come out and play? That's the question. And I know everybody's talking about, you know, can he play, can he throw past 40, 49 yards type of thing. Um, we haven't really seen it. And I don't know if he knows if he can do it yet. Even in practices, that, that the long ball's not coming out. So defenses are starting to understand that. Therefore, defenses are saying, well, if he can't, then we're going to adjust our defense. We're not going to send guys way out. We're going to stay in close so the defense can... You know, have an advantage at that point just through knowledge. And is it too soon to figure out if it's psychological or physical, whether or not? Because he didn't seem to have, he didn't have the zing on his long passes well, last quite, night the, that he had the command and the. That's Russ. The reality is, with so many of the players that I work with, it's both. You know, because when you are under fear, frustration, anxiety, stress, any of those type of things that we all have. Um, and you don't know how to handle it, and especially handle it in the moment under game pressure, then it actually physically weakens your body. Scientifically proven weakens your body, and it messes with your reflexes. So I would say it's both. Okay. Uh, noted. Fair. Hmm. Uh, my question is, or my statement is, Peyton Manning has always 
played to the strengths of his receivers, correct? So he's made he made Reggie Wayne. He made Marvin Harrison prolific. He made everybody there, Pierre Garçon, Austin Colley, all four of those guys are long ball threats. He only has one maybe long ball threat in Demarius Thomas, who uh, he had a good game last night. He had a ridiculous catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, that's usually where touchdowns are caught, I believe. Uh, I've heard that. <laughs> but he has, Eric, he, has Eric, he has Eric Decker, Brandon Stokely, two slot receivers. He has a tight end in Jacob Tammy and Joel Dreesen, who are not long ball threats like like the Patriots uh, uh, tight ends and like, like uh, Jimmy Graham in New Orleans. So I'd be curious as to how much practicing he's doing on the long ball. Probably not During much. the week. Probably not and much. And how is he ever going to get it if he doesn't have somebody that he can trust? And how are you going to take somebody and build him into a position where you can finally trust him if you don't practice Does he? It? Do you need a long ball to win? I don't know. Doesn't no. hurt. I mean, ask, it, ask Tom Brady with Wes Welker if you need a long ball no. to win. You don't need, you don't need it. need it. It's good to have it in your back pocket. But sure. when they got him, when they got Peyton Manning over there, they knew what they had as far as receivers. Right. So, mm-hmm. so you just have to change. So you, you have to just change the game plan. You should, if if you watch closely. Not, I'm not saying you. I'm saying you. You all. Y'all. Watch, <laughs> y'all. Watch As he looks uh, at us. Uh, watch uh, you. Uh, yeah. Watch closely last night. You'd see that he commands the line, and people listen to him as if he's been there forever. And maybe that's because he's intimidating. Maybe that's because maybe people, uh, the players don't understand yet how fast he works, how fast his brain moves, and how quick he calls audibles. But on that fourth and goal play, where he calls a run to Willis McGahee for a touchdown, after standing on the line for 20 seconds calling out audibles, that was magic. That was magic. You do not run the ball uh, on fourth and goal from the two-yard line with the game on the line. You do not do it. And he just... Oh my God! That was I stood up and screamed when I saw that. Right, he sees things that other people don't see. Was that before or after the penalty, the delay of game penalty that brought him back five yards from the one? I believe that that was after, but I don't think. So they were at the six. They were they went from a first and goal on the one yard line to a second and goal from the two because they because they got because they got yardage the next play. So and then there was an incomplete pass and then. They ran the ball on fourth down. That was just and taking the ball out of your best player's hands and giving it to a running back in which he has no control over. That's a beautiful thing. So that that was one thing that I saw that shows growth. That shows that Peyton Manning is still there. Oh, he's there. Okay? There's no doubt so, about and, it. And the other thing is he took hits and he got up and he's fine. I think that uh, take away maybe a huge blindside sack from somebody that will jerk your neck back, mm-hmm. I think he's fine. But, I mean, I'm not a doctor, and, well, and again, I don't every claim sing- to be. Every single game when he gets hit and gets up is something that will allow him to continue to grow and have the confidence to go back and do even more the next game. Absolutely. And I, 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 I'm, I'm proud of him for coming in and just just taking over, taking over a new franchise, a team that, that pretty much had a gimmick, had, had a circus the year before with Tim Tebow. And he's like, you know, I want to win. And, and, and he, he almost brought them back last night. Talking to the point again, we were talking before the show today. Um, I think he talks too much. That's Why? my personal opinion. Well, because, and I get we what you were about saying. interviews or what? No, on the field. <laughs> Commercials? I think he's audible. Okay. He audibles. I didn't know. Um, I, it's, a, it's an adjustment thing, um, but it seems like every play he's going in there audible. And he, they may have been used to it in Indianapolis. I'm sure that took time to develop as well, but I saw a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos last night because he kept changing. Every time he'd get to the line, he'd start calling audibles, and A, the la- it was loud. I'm sure they couldn't hear anything, and B, it's only the second game of the season, and I don't think that they quite have are used to that kind of thing. 
Well, they better get used to it, or they're going to get new guys. He, well, he, yeah, the quarterback the, is the quarterback. Yeah, he's got to play in his, town. Yeah, and I think that, as we said before, I think he gets three or four plays, and he calls which one is appropriate depending on the defense, because the defense doesn't say, "Hey, we're running a four-three on this play, guys. Right. Call the right play." So, defenses, especially Atlanta, does a really good job of masking their defense until hike is said, until the ball is snapped. So, I think that the way he does it is. As I said before, is magical, and there's well, not and many guys that can do that. Him and Tom Brady at the line. Drew Brees is great at extending plays and stepping up into the pocket in his five eleven uh, frame of you know 180 pounds or 200 pounds. That's a different thing. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are in a, a, a league above their own. Oh, you know, I'm gonna add Eli Manning into that as well now. So there's only about three quarterbacks in the NFL that can do what he does. So I don't take all 25 seconds and call audibles the whole time. If you get a first down, it doesn't matter. But how long does it take an offense to adjust adjust to a new? I guess my well, question is, whole, how long does it take to adjust to a new system? Yeah, yeah but, but they had a whole preseason yeah. to practice, and but these guys have, they didn't play him the whole. He didn't play the whole game and preseason. But you have practice, you have things. I'm and you it's, know how long he worked with Marvin Harrison when he was in Indianapolis? Hours and hours and hours. The same routes, the same routes, the same routes, and that's how. That's why. They were so prolific as a quarterback receiver duo. So I don't think that there was confusion. I think that Atlanta's defense was that good. Well, on the audibles too, is it that you're really listening to all the audibles, or you're listening to the third audible? Right. It's like, it's so like, it's, it's like really science. not. It's, it's like changing Petra. all of your mind the whole time. It's just listening for one, two, three. This is the one. This is what I'm going to move to and go on. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, in my opinion, I think that he's. I, I think. Well, I think they'll finish nine and seven. Have a nice season. Uh, and next year will be the year that you really see because I'm sure they'll bring in a wide. They will need to bring in a wide receiver yep. at some point to to uh, be on the other Touch side of uh, uh, Mr. Thomas. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. 49ers. I just want to touch on them really quick. They beat uh, the Lions 27-19. Matt Stafford had a horrible day except for until the end. He had 87 yards passing midway through the third. The 49ers are not a fluke, <laughs> as what they've shown from the first two weeks. Now they have an offense. And which they, is which is a huge thing that Vernon Davis, if he stays healthy, because he had he had injuries uh, in his first couple years in the league. Frank Gore, same thing. That offensive line should 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 uh, should win an SB in and of themselves. Alex Smith is the luckiest man in football. Uh, Did he, you just I, say win an SB? Yeah. Okay, I was just checking. What for for greatest offensive line ever? No. Uh, I think that they are the ones to beat in the NFC. I mean, say what you want about the Giants. Uh, the Giants don't normally play until about week nine. But I think that with that defense, you can't be touched. You have to have a defense in the playoffs. Obviously, in in the regular season, it doesn't matter much anymore. Uh, but in the playoffs, you need a defense to shut down to shut down potent offensive uh, offensive yeah. teams. As long as they stay healthy, they stay healthy. They are definitely a force to be reckoned with, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch them. Yeah, and Michael Crabtree is kind of starting to come into his own. He realizes his role instead of being the prima donna that he was when he came out of Oklahoma State. He kind of realizes he's the third down. He's a third down back. He's he's a position receiver. And uh, Randy Moss, who knows, will probably catch about six or seven touchdowns in the end zone. He's still tall, and he can still jump. So, I mean, that's really, you can't really teach that. So that's a beautiful thing in and of itself. What? What are you laughing about? He's still tall. He's still tall. He is. That hasn't changed yet. He's got the reach. That hasn't changed yet. Uh, What else? The Cowboys suck. Uh, I think that was a premonition the first week. The the Giants, again, don't play usually until week nine. And this is what the Cowboys are are doing nowadays is they just go back and forth, back and forth. They like the teeter-totter thing. It's, you know, playing at home or playing away. They're just going to just be the Cowboys that they 
mm, the new cowboys. You know, it's not the way they used to play. They're not the force that when you say the cowboys, everybody gets, oh, my God, we're playing the cowboys. Now it's like, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, really, it really comes down to the running game. Uh, DeMarco, Murray, DeMarco Murray only had 44 yards rushing uh, against the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a great defense. They're a great young defense that uh, are starting to be feared a little bit, uh, which, Absolutely. Is, which is tough for the, the Cardinals. But uh, anyways, uh, DeMarco Murray had, I think, 150, 160 all-purpose yards uh, in week one, which was... And they won. They beat the Giants. So I think as DeMarco Murray goes, so will the Cowboys. Well, they, the Cowboys have become a good practice team now. So it's yeah, good, right, right. good to you know, practice your skills against. And that's like the worst possible thing. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> possible thing you could say about a team. Uh, <laughs> really? But, yeah. I didn't know really? that. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Well, and, uh, Tony, and again, Tony, it, everything's easier for Tony Romo if they have a run game because then yeah. you can you can <laughs> implement the play action. Uh, the Cowboys have a stud receiving core, if if healthy. You know, they have Des Bryant and Miles Austin are still two of the top 15, 17 uh, wide receivers in the NFL. Having them on the same team with a quarterback that has an arm like Tony Romo, I'd be so pissed if I was a Cowboys fan. Well, and then Thank you God I'm not, but I'd DeMarca- be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> what? A DeMarcus Ware, you know, somebody, they've got some good players. They're just not pulling them all together. Yeah. And Sean Lee, the, the, yeah. the, uh, their middle linebacker, I believe from, uh, uh, I think he either went to Boston College or Penn State, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know if it's a Jerry Jones thing that, you know, he's just spending way too much time uh, on the field or in the locker room or you know, intimidating people or whatever it is that he thinks he's doing. I don't know, but it's just whatever it is, it ain't working. Weren't there issues with, like, play calling with offensive issues when Jason Garrett was just the offensive coordinator? Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's the head coach and all of a sudden it's supposed to be this huge different... He's still the same person playing the calling the offensive calls yeah, that he called when they sucked. He's a marionette. I mean, he, he's he's uh, he's pretty much Jimmy Jones, uh, Jerry Jones's uh, puppet. Mm. So, and Jerry Jones has never done anything wrong his entire life in business, and I'm sure he's going to make a whole boatload of money with the Cowboys if and when he sells them. He probably won't sell them until he passes. But uh, it's been a circus in Dallas ever since he got there. Got yeah. rid of Jimmy Johnson. Got rid of all the wins. Got rid of everything. And this is what you get. He makes this is a this is a money making scheme. It doesn't really matter. People will go to that stadium and watch the Cowboys and love the Cowboys no matter how much they suck. So Jerry Jones is doing a great job business-wise. He's the Mark Cuban of the NFL. Mark Cuban you know, was on the court, was, was wearing a T-shirt, the Mavs T-shirt. Jerry Jones is in his $27,000 suits every week on the field. It's, it's obviously a distraction, but you know what you're signing up for when you go to Dallas. You're, you're going to the Yankees even though, even though you're not winning as much as the Yankees are. And... You're either going to deal with it or you won't, and yeah. th- and that's pretty much what it is. So well, hope is always. Uh, Did I just say yes? I just agreed with Alex. <laughs> well, so you're finally joining the right team, <laughs> Deborah. Before oh, you so rudely interrupted. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that you know hope is always out there. So you know fans are always hoping for the best. Players are always hoping that things are going to get turned around. The coaches, you know that, but. You know, when a team sucks, they suck, and they got to do something different in order to turn it around. I don't know what that is, but um, Jerry Jones' new circus tent needs uh, some some new players and some new directors. hundred million. Oh God, well, I can't even imagine how much money. And that say costs. what you will, the Cowboys do have their fans, and they are loyal fans. Yeah. So, so Jerry once Jones they do start turning it around, yeah. if uh, we got to take a break, Kwame uh, Lasseter, Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska. We'll be back in a bit. Flagship station for sports. 
Voice America Sports. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's got the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. The left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. Welcome back to Carmen Lasso Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. We do have Down and Dirty with Deborah in a little bit, but first we are going to talk about replacement referees. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, boo. You know what? I'm going to start off by saying I feel bad for these guys. Um, they, they don't. As a human being, I feel bad for them. As a yes. Okay, here's as, the thing. As people, if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, do you want your dream job?" Are you going to say no? no. Are you, oh, it doesn't matter if you're qualified or not. Oh, you refed the lingerie football league. Oh, you're in. Do you want it? High school, high school uh, teacher from Texas. You're in. Qualified. So here's the thing. Uh, not done yet. Here's see. Now, now you're going to get it. Here's the thing. Uh, they're doing okay. Okay, there are calls that are horrible. Granted, now they're magnified more because they are replacement referees. Was it fifty-seven okay. minutes for a quarter? Yes. Okay. Fifty-seven minutes. Here's the thing. With that, eighteen with, penalties. With that, with that, uh, they're trying to get it right. Okay. Normal NFL referees, Ed Hockley and the like, they could call holding on every play. They could call, you know, illegal contact on every play, but they don't because they know the flow of the game is is more important than calling penalties. These refs don't know that. You have NFL officials on the sideline talking with them about the rule book, about things that they're not completely polished on. You can't give these guys the keys to the castle, having not been to the castle before, and then think they won't make mistakes. More times than not, they're doing an okay job. And that, this is a lot better than I thought they'd do. There were a couple this week, granted, there were horrible calls. There was one in New England. There was, uh, there was one in the Ravens-Eagles game. But, I mean, you, you can't expect more than what you're getting from these guys now. Cindy, you are burning. Go! Take away the fact that there are missing calls and the players make the calls half the time because they go to a ref and say that should have been a penalty and the ref calls it. That they're happens with even, regular refs. They're not even... There were two penalties this night that weren't even spotted in the right place. There was one that was 
five yards from the end of the play, they marked it, or it should have been five yards from the from the side of the penalty. And they marked it five yards from the end of the play. Um, there was so it's five yards. Two of, it's not a big there play. There was two of them. Well, here's not the point. Okay, and they had an official on the sideline that corrected it, and they corrected it. So that's why the officials there, an NFL official. Yeah. So here's a few questions. Number one, what are the NFL refs? I mean, the supposedly They're real laughing. guys. What are the supposedly real guys doing right now? Are they preparing to come back in? What happens when they come back in and they've been off all these games? You know, I'm curious about that. Second thing I'm curious about is the coaches. So we've got coaches right now that are testing the refs, the mm-hmm. the replacement refs. They're getting in their faces. They're doing all those type of things. So when the guys, I mean players, you know, when they come to the the day before game day, they're ta- the players are taking tests. They're taking, I mean, physically taking written tests to make sure that they know their opponent. Are they going to start giving out tests now to the um, offense and defense to say how well do you know the refs that are going to be out there? Because we're going, <laughs> we need a game plan for them too because we can play them as well. And the third thing is you've got the current refs who what's it going to be like for them when you know when they go back to their day job you know they go back to their community and they've just had games like they're having and with the amount of enthusiasm around sports and especially around NFL football um, death threats? I yeah, don't I was know. just thinking that. <laughs> but one last thing, you're absolutely right. When all of a sudden you get your dream job and you go, yeah, man, this is my opportunity, and you see all those big possibilities, and then all of a sudden you get there and it's not like what you thought it was going to be like, it can be devastating because now they're starting to lose respect. They're losing their dreams. They you know, have family and friends. I'm sure I'm giving them a lot of hassle. It's not a fun place for them to be right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I just... Well, it's creating a you game know, of thugs is what it's starting to do. Go ahead, Sim. Well, I was going on that line, too. And sadly, on a prepa- when you're normally when you're offered your dream job, you work your way up to it and a gradual thing. These guys are thrown into their dream job. And yes, you're going to say absolutely yes. But it's not a, an accurate... Well, it looks good on the resume, but whenever they, you know, start to show the game films to go with the resume, it's like, <laughs> yeah, but, but dude, these guys, these Wait, guys, I know you, I saw you. These guys have these guys have lives outside of football, so this isn't this is their this is their out of body experience for right. however long the lockout stands with the referee. It's their fantasy that, football. Yeah, isn't it that way though for the regular refs? I know, isn't Ed Ed Hockley is an attorney? It's not his day job either. Yeah, but, but the point but the point is that those guys are qualified. These guys aren't. So you have the regular refs that are locked out, and I have never sided with players and or, or I've never sided with players and or this side, n- not the n- not the big brother, not the not, not the suits, not the guys any the more than towers. this. Yeah. Pay them money. It's seven, I think it's like 55 million over seven years is what they're arguing about, something to that effect. Give me a effing break. You know, you're, you, have, you have these billions and billions of dollars in the pie. These are the guys that keep your game fluid, and obviously the fluidity has escaped all of the NFL games, especially hour and 50 minutes for the first half last night. Granted, I, f- I do feel empathy for these guys. I will never know what they're going through on the biggest stage in America. Uh, I don't know. Well, and you're around your idols. You know, you walk up to a coach that you've idolized for how long, and all of a sudden that guy's screaming in your face. It's <laughs> going to have an emotional effect. You're standing next to a player that you had last year in fantasy football, yeah. and all of a sudden yeah. you're standing next to That's him. That's interesting. And then there was a comment where, um, and nobody knows for sure if it was a joke or not, where one of the refs said to one of the football players, hey, I've got you, in, I, I've had you in fantasy football, or I need you in fantasy football. Um, it's got to be got a, fired? No, no. no. It's got to be a really unique position to be in. Or they found a ref that 
all of a sudden they had pictures of him with, uh, was it jerseys on from the Saints? Yeah. Um, it's got to be a and unique that was two position. Hours, that was two hours before, before he was supposed to ref the Saints-Panthers game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, who knows if that would have been an... Who knows? Who I mean, knows? Yeah, hey, yeah here's the thing. exactly. Here's the thing. With with the way things have been going, nobody would have noticed. You know, it's, right. it's just not... Right. It, it's put, put it this way. I think by week five, this will all be history. I give it week five because you can only take so much. And you can only take so much... Well, players are starting to speak up now, too. Well, yeah, yeah, because they have no respect for these guys. Right. And on top of that, there's a chance that they, ne- they may never be refereed by these guys again. So you may as well go balls to the wall, because it doesn't matter again. If you, see, if you yell at Ed Hockley, you're going to see him in week four when it's right. week two. Right. So yeah. there's going to be ramifications for that, but not in the la- lingerie powder puff football, dude. So well, it's going to be interesting to see if any of these refs go down at any point in time on a play that just happens to be overrun or something happens. So, oh, I didn't. 43 defensive pass interference calls through the first two weeks, most since 2003 where there were 47. Again, you can call penalties on every play. Every single play you can call holding, you can call defensive pass interference, you probably can call offensive pass interference, defensive holding, you can call the, the whole gambit of calls. And these guys are doing it because that's what the rule book says. So they're following their Bible. And who knows what they've been told off the field, too, as far as the NFL getting in their ear about what to do. Exactly. Get control of the game, whatever, but they they don't tell them how to do that. And like you say, if they don't have the respect of the coaches or the players, how do you, you know, end up being that guy that's the guy or gal who's the hall monitor at high school and the whole football team walks up on you and you're saying, well, I got my little badge on the hall monitor and they're saying, you know, guess (laughs) what, guys? Guess what? That's a good one. That's a good one. We Uh, know where you live. And we know where you're parked. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's really really interesting, especially that thing. Brian Stropolo is a name. Stropolo, I believe, is his name. The uh, the referee who was who's been banned, or it's it's under investigation now about being the Saints the Saints fan. I, I do you blame him? I mean, he he was a he was a regular human being six Be- weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's it. it it's well, that's where we go back to. I feel for these guys because, man, to get put in a position where, you've, like you say, you've got your dream job and all of a sudden it's turning into the biggest nightmare that you ever could have had. And they're doing the best that they can do. The problem is the best that they can do in a billion-dollar industry isn't really quite enough. And is that really their fault? No. Not so much. No. And, I mean, it's all of the diehard, quote-unquote diehard fans. I hate diehard fans that really have no – they're ignorant to everything except for their team stats and, and what their team did. But, oh, they'll win next week. I, I promise. They'll win next week. Well, they're living their life through their team, and right now if they see something going wrong, they've got somebody – they need to blame somebody, and it's certainly not going to be themselves. Right, and, and if, you, if you take a step back, you look at a bird's-eye view of this – you have to feel empathy for these guys. Absolutely, you have to. And I'm sorry if your team uh, had a had a poor call called against them. You're going to get the next one. That's just what it is. And the one thing that that I looked at that was really interesting is that no coach in the NFL has ever been ejected due exactly. to excessive yeah. yelling. John right. Fox almost had an aneurysm on the stage. <laughs> I thought he was going uh, to have an aneurysm last night. But the refs can't do anything unless you literally go, say go f yourself or right. go do something like that that's personal to the referee. You can't even be flagged for just for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. But you talk like the refs are the ones that normally in a normal game have the most control over the over the game. Last night when they had that scr- the scrum out there and it was pretty much bedlam between the two teams. Those, I felt so bad for those guys because they were trying so hard and no one was listening to them. Yeah, I mean, and that's going to continue have, to happen. 
And it's it's only going to get worse because the players and the coaches and everybody, like you say, when you lose respect, it's tough to get it back. And even if you were a good ref, but you're amongst all the others, and, you know, guys are hearing and seeing what the plays are on, you know, in all the other games, it's going to be a tough one to, you know, to watch. It's crazy. And and I feel almost the worst for people that... We're, we're not advocates of instant replay because now it slows the game down even more. I mean, but again, they're trying to get it right. And they it's are. long, and I am not, I am totally okay with an hour and 50 minute half because that mm. means more football on Monday night. I don't, I don't give a crap about that. I want it as long as possible. I we wish, live I on wish the West Coast. Order another, those people order on the East pitcher. Coast are probably disagreeing with you on yeah, that I guess one. Right. We get to go have a nice dinner and then order go watch football for eight hours. Your- <laughs> yeah. Whatever, you know, you fall asleep, you get TiVo and wake, it's probably still, probably still on when you wake up the next morning. Do you say TiVo or Tebow? We're not talking about Tim Tebow. I refuse. Just checking. Though we're waiting for Kwame to be gone for us to not talk about Tim Tebow. I'm sure he'd love that. Um, okay, it's time for Down and Dirty with Deborah. All right, we're going to talk about uh, just shake it off. You know, what do you do when a player, whether it's yourself or somebody else, has just had one of those plays that they screwed up and it may lose you the game? You know, we look at some of the plays that happened over the weekend, and man, there were some, you know, we got a few kickers, we got a guy on the Cardinals, we've got things that, you know, came down to some plays where it could have very well lost the game, and in some cases it did. So let's look at some of the choices that, whether you're saying it to yourself or somebody else, maybe one of your coaches is coming over, and you're standing on the sideline just freaking devastated, you're down to the last few minutes, and you just had a play that could have lost the game. You could, um, you know, tell the guy, shake it off, don't worry about it, we're going to get it back but you know what this is probably one of the worst things that you can do because right now that player is in a very heightened state they're feeling ticked off frustrated and upset and what they don't want to hear is somebody trying to uh, console them and tell them it's going to be all right because what happens in their mind when you're in that heightened state is their mind the player's mind is coming up with every argument that it can come up with as to why you're wrong and it's not going to get what you need to get is that guy's head back to where it needs to be so that he can get in for that next play and do it right. Second choice could be um, people who ignore you. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do, so they just ignore you. Now, the problem with that, especially with uh, the human nature, is that now the player feels like nobody cares. He feels blamed and shamed, and the chances of him messing up the next time around goes up even more. You could have somebody screaming and hollering at the player or screaming and hollering at yourself. This can work in some cases. It depends on the player. It goes back to you've got to know what works for you. Some guys will get fired up by it. Other guys will get shut down by it, and it's a crapshoot. So unless you know your player, you better know what what type of um, you know technique that you can use in order to help your player. So when you've got a player who's just screwed up and may have lost the game, one of the things you can do if you're a coach, more so a coach than another player, but if it's another player on, say, the defense and it was a defensive player and you actually know your guy, you can go over to him and keeping the goal in mind, and the goal is to get their head back in the game, get focused on the results that you need right then and right there, you can start mirroring their body language. Whatever they're doing, you start doing it in gentle forms as well because all of a sudden what you're doing is building rapport with them. Even if they're making wild gestures, you can do that. You can start to match their rhythm and their intensity because, again, all of a sudden, and body language to body language, they start understanding and they'll start calming down. You'll make sure that you're looking them square in the eye. 
You're not looking off someplace else because that's a feeling of shame and blame again. You get them, you get helmet to helmet, you get eye to eye, whatever it's going to take, and you start asking them some questions to get them focused, specific questions that get them back, help them remember what they have done in the past that has been so great so their mind starts focusing on great, 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 this is what I'm capable of doing, and it also provides proof that they can make this next play happen, whatever it's going to be. As a player... One of the things my players always learn is a quick recovery plan. They don't count on anybody else to support them whenever they need support. They've got to be able to count on themselves. Yes, they hope that they've got the support of their team, and they always do. But they've always got to be able to make sure that they know themselves the best to recognize the state that they're in in that moment the fear, frustration, anxiety, whatever they might be feeling. They recognize where they are. They recognize where they want to go. They use their trigger statement. They start adjusting to their own natural rhythm. They ask themselves the powerful questions that are pre-planned and pre-programmed so they know how to get themselves back. There's no excuse for not handling your business in the moment. You're needed. Your team needs you. If you don't know how to do it, you better figure it out because there are some very simple techniques that can get you focused and back in the field. Bam. Uh, down and dirty with Deborah. Check out yourclearedge.com. Email her at Deborah, D E B O R A H, at yourclearedge.com, 480 1909. That was a good one. Thank you. No, it was a good, good one. I, okay, Cindy, it was really, you're going to jump on me before I can. Before yes. I, okay, that is enough of that. <laughs> so, um, it, obviously, what comes to mind is Ryan Williams this week. Uh, fumbling uh, at one, at the most crucial time in the game to seal the win for Arizona. Uh, he didn't hold on to the ball. Let's say Steven Goskowski made that field goal. Okay, so he's your client. Right. What does he go through right after the game? So they lose the game. They're still sweating. They're walking off the field. As he's walking off the field trying to be consoled by his teammates, what is he thinking? Well, what would he, what would he be thinking if he was your client? Well, he's in. Well, the first thing is you recognize where you're at. I mean, he was in, and he said it himself. He was he was disappointed in himself. He was discouraged. All those things. Well, the things that's not wrong. So I'm not going to tell somebody, let's go sing, you know, hold hands and sing We Are the World, you mm-hmm. know, because that's not the state that he's in. He's, the first thing he's going to do is recognize the state that he's in. And then he's going to ask himself a question. All right, so what am I going to do right here, right now to get my head back in the game? And he's going to have a trigger statement. And a trigger statement is something that we've already pre-planned and we've already gone through. And it's a power statement of just two or three words that he can say And because he's practiced it in his mind, he will know how to get himself into the state of, I can do this. We're going to have proof that he's already had from the past plays that he's done that he can remember in that moment. And again, it's something that he's practiced Mm -hmm. off the field so that his mind can remember how great he is, remember what's possible, get him out of the past, which is the play he just made, get him into the present so that he can take care of the future, which is the next play he's going to go in on. If I'm on the field with him, I'm going to be in his face. And this isn't going to be a real light conversation. It's not going to be mean and nasty. It's going to be a conversation that I know I can have with him because I know his power words. And I'm going to be, again, in his face, eye to eye, and I'm going to be asking him questions and reminding him of what he's capable of until I see that kind of the light go on behind the eyes where I know he's just switched back over to the state where he can go back on the field and play extremely well. Can a trigger statement, if used for years and years, become weakened it can be yes so even, because even with the amount of practice say you practice a lot whatever you do your you do your imagination you do your your practice right 
Because they still need to be changed at times? They can be. Depends on the player. And a player may have more than one that they use, depending on, you know, when they want to use it. If we go back to, it's been quite a few weeks ago where we did the four quadrants mm-hmm. of, of peak performance. Yep. My players will know what state do they want to be in, which means do you want to be in that lower right-hand quadrant or the lower up, you know, lower, or the upper right-hand quadrant. So, and they'll, they'll even talk to me in those type of terms. I want to be in the upper right or I want to be in the right quadrant, you know, and they'll know what their power words within that. So if one, one word doesn't work, they know what other word does. And they also know the body language that goes with it. You know, head down, shoulders down, you know, that type of feeling isn't going to change your state. They need to be moving their body to change their state. So, again, that's where you get your rhythm back. You start pacing the sideline, but you pace it at a state that's going to get your natural rhythm back again. So there's a number of things that they learn. Going back to your original question, yes, the statement can change, but it changes because the person changes. Okay, fair. That's fair. That's fair. Now, there's another guy that had... A tough, um, tough week. Matt Barkley, USC. Um, they lose their number two seeding. They lose 21-14 to Stanford. What do you tell him? He could have come out, been a top three pick in the NFL, probably would have got $25 million guaranteed money, and now he may have lost. He had one of the worst games of his career, especially in the past three, in the past two years. What would you tell him in an effort to say that, you know, you still have a chance to win the national championship if you don't mess up again? Because in college football, you can't mess up ever. So that's even more of a heightened state where you have to perform every week. You're, every quarter has to be prolific. You have to win games. What do you tell a 21-year-old kid? Well, the optimum word in there is tell him. I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm going to ask Coach him a bunch of questions because most people do just that. That's our natural response is I'm going to tell you how you should feel, which is bullshit. You know, I can't tell you how to feel. Don't I can talk to me like that. I, I can get <laughs> you under the table, dude. Um, but what you can do is know how to ask him the questions that get him back focused on. You can't change the past. You can change right now, and you can change the future. So what is the next most relevant thing that you need to do right here and right now in order to affect your career the way you want it to affect, be mm-hmm. affected? So the same thing if I'm working with guys with pro days. I'm asking them, what's most important in your pro day or your combine? And we work on those specific drills. What's it like standing in line? What's it like with going through the drill? If I'm talking to a guy like that, I'm going to say, what's that next most important thing that you're going to be doing? If it's the next game, we're going to work. If it's practice the next day, if it's trying to go to sleep that night, you know, so that he can get up the next morning mm-hmm. and have that resilience in order to go, we're going to work on that. We're going to work on the most important, closest goal, and then what's the next one past that? Love that. So can he he can get it back, right? Like if if he can get through last week, come back out and be Matt Barkley again? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the it player won't affect him. The player's not gone. The effect the problem well, is the, the skill is not gone. The problem is is again it goes back to that mental and emotional aspect of the game that if players don't know how to handle it, that's the part that will wash over them and take all of their talent away. And don't make fun of this the way I say wash. Yeah. I'm from Chicago, dude. It's the only way <laughs> I know no how to R say it. In wash. It's the only way I know how to say it. <laughs> I uh, saw I saw the look. It's like, well, that's um, not correct. <laughs> <laughs> and you go back to my part of the country, it is. Yeah. Um, um. But yeah, it's it, the talent hasn't gone, and 
it's just a matter of helping the player get back that feeling and that state. Again, I go back to the state of knowing who they really are and that self-identity. When I talk about taming and training your beast, Mm -hmm. the S is for self-identity, to know who you are. I mean, you absolutely know without a doubt in every cell of your body who you are, and it's getting that part of you to come back up again and the part that feels weak, that part of the beast that goes and cowers in a corner to say, thanks, dude, you know, doll done with you. You get over there because I got another aspect of me I'm going to bring forward. There you go. Yeah, so I, well said. I, I, I do believe that he uh, he's a good kid. You know, you, you feel bad for people. He's not. He hasn't done anything wrong, and he just, just had an off game, and they haven't beat Stanford in a long time. I, I don't... Oh, no. Four games. Oh, no. It was four games, yeah. I think. So uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see if USC can bounce back. Uh, we got about two minutes left. Keep in your heads sounds of autism. Uh, this is uh, one of my good friends, Cricket, is, is starting this foundation. She has started the foundation. It's, it's, it's rolling through. We have a lot of events being planned coming up. I'll be talking about uh, them in the upcoming weeks. She might be in studio next week to talk about it. So please uh, please keep that in your minds because it's going to be coming. And, Deb- and watch out for uh, Balance the Spectrum of Autism. I'm building uh, some videos and things uh, to help the parents of autistic children as well as the autistic children as well. The other thing I want to mention is this is still September, which means it's Sickle Cell Disease Awareness Month. So focus, Kwame Lasseter's foundation is the funds go to Sickle Uh, sickle cell anemia to bring the awareness out to help these children so you know find it in your heart we're going into the holidays give give in any way that you can if you don't know how to give give us a call and we'll we'll direct you the right way well said uh yourclearedge.com deborah debris can follow me on twitter at clancy's corner youtube.com slash clancy's corner cindy she's all over facebook huh and you can follow me on twitter too i'm at at cindy liska 38 at littlesparkplug.com. Uh, that's our show. Call me. We'll probably be back next week. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska. See ya. for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.